John. Here are we. Here we are again. Indeed we are. Indeed we are. <laughs> what are you doing this morning? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> oh, mm -hmm. no, I'm doing a lot of stuff. I'm doing a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Many mm -hmm. things. But they're all, um, you know, skip tracing mistakes I've made, whatever. Um, what do you mean? I, I'm, in, I'm tracing uh, some wiki stuff. The, um, I'm, you know, the wiki is coming to me with final stuff for the final wiki, mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's just really kind of funny because I think they're using their staff and AI crawlers and whatever it is to make sure, you know, that they have me gathered up. Yeah. And they have me, you know, and the, and so the AI and whatever is checking has me doing some really interesting things. And what they've done is they've, and, you know, this is why we're checking it, of course, just to their credit, but they have me cross-pollinated with, with a bunch of people who have worked for me over the years. So I have become, it's kind of interesting, this morning I, I sort of became an amalgamation of all my friends. Mm. <laughs> or all the people that worked for me. It's funny. Interesting. Yeah. Well, good. They're cool. doing a good job. Yeah. <laughs> they are. Well, at least they're checking. At least they're checking. Mm. Yeah. I hope I'm on the friend list. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> hope those crawlers find me. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So, yeah, mm. been interesting. I mean, just one revelation after another, you know. Uh-huh. That's fun. What are you doing? What are you doing? Um, I was in the kitchen, actually. Yeah? Yeah. I'm just... Uh, you know, kind of tiptoeing my way into the the main event, which there really isn't. It's it's so simple. It's just so simple. We've we've decided over the years that nobody likes turkey. <laughs> so what do you so what do you do instead? Everybody well, else? um, we're gonna have short ribs. We're gonna make sandwiches, and my and then we're gonna get carnitas turkey, turkey carnitas. I think it is. Yeah. So it's kind of like the same as pork, but it's made with turkey. Mm -hmm. And you just order it from, you know, the market. And it's good. And there's no fuss, and that's good. And then I make all the fixings to go with it. So this morning I was making um, like a holiday lebna. <laughs> I'm like all about it. <laughs> and just, you know, um, experimenting. It's fun, isn't it? It really is fun. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So I, I made it with, um, you know, it's like cream cheese. It starts out like it's cream cheese, and then you add whatever to it. Definitely needs salt. And so I had uh, got some flaked sea salt, add that to it. And then um, cranberries. And uh, I cooked them is down it, a little bit so they wouldn't be is, so tart. Hmm. Is this the stuff that you're hanging, that you're, that you're yes. turning through the cheesecloth? Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's great. Yeah. And I added some walnuts and then um, honey. Uh, what just, does the honey do? Does the honey mix or does it? Sure. It just it does. It mixes it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, oh my gosh. And then I have some like whole grain bread, La Brea whole grain bread. Slice that up and fry it in the pan with olive oil. So it's like toast. And then that you becomes it your dipper? That's your dipper? Um, Not really my dipper, but it's like toast. And then I spread the cheese on there. Oh. Uh, and it's like, oh, that's so good. You say, yeah, yeah. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah. 
anyway. cheese, is, cheese is terrible for indigestion, they yeah. say. Well, it's not cheese. That's yeah, the beauty of it. It's, it's right, yogurt. It's not cheese. It's yogurt, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's right. Huh. Yeah, it's, and it's just so delicious. You can make it savory or sweet or, you know, just uh, yeah. have I your just, toast. Hmm. I'm, I, I just, you know, I, I just cut off a whack of yellow cheddar. You know, the, the art gum rubber not aged long enough, plain old yellow cheddar from yeah. the Midwest. It's just junk. That's what it is. Most of it is junk. It's all plastic. I know, I know. Yeah. It just... I was doing it and I was cutting it. I was cutting my knife to it. And I was, I felt like I couldn't, I, am I cutting an eraser or am I cutting some food here? I wasn't sure. Mm. But I like the, uh, I, you know, the more it ages, the better as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Of course, I like, you know. Mm-hmm. But pretty soon it gets to the point where it just comes apart, just crumbles. Yeah. I posted a picture this morning that uh, reminded me of cooking because I was chasing Julia Child in Paris. Mm-hmm. And uh, that picture that I posted this morning on the Facebook page is where Julia shops mm-hmm. or did shop when she was alive. Mm-hmm. That's her counter. So look at the picture carefully in the upper right-hand corner. Her picture's there. Yeah, I commented on it. Oh, did you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it um, reminded me instantly of when she was on David Letterman. Yeah. And she was, yeah, she was making a hamburger. And she served him a hamburger that was so damn raw. <laughs> Oh my God, it was, it was so raw. <laughs> and he's like, are, are you sure it's okay for me to eat this? <laughs> it was disgusting. It was like raw meat out of the counter. Oh God. And she's like, of course, of course it is. You know? <laughs> you sound just like her. It's great. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I love her though. I just love her. Oh yeah. I do too. Oh, my God. And then she would cook in this kitchen that it was like, you know, four feet by six feet. And that was it. And she was making, you know, amazing dishes. Beef. Was it uh, Beef Wellington? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've got her. I've got I've got most of her books. But um, she um, we used to make a thing called cannibal sandwiches, which reminds me of what you're describing the Letterman show. What is that? Uh, there was a time when, well, it was just, it was just raw ground meat uh, okay. that we would eat with uh, Limburger cheese and wine. Gross. And, yeah. Oh, gosh. I mean, I don't like, you know, <laughs> I don't ever have to have meat, but that's gross. <laughs> oh. You know, and, and <laughs> I, what did you call it again? A cannibal? Well, a cannibal sandwich. Yeah. A cannibal it's, sandwich, yeah. Yeah, cannibal sandwiches. It reminded me of a, like a cannonball, which where I used to work at, at a restaurant, it was um, Lord Charlie's, they would make Grom balls, Grom. And it was the leftover Yorkshire puddings. You know, New York, mm-hmm. obviously, you know what that is. And then yeah. that puff pastry. And then they would scrape all the food from the leftover plates and they would put it in this, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and they would be throwing this stuff across the kitchen. <laughs> I mean, what goes on behind, you know, closed doors <laughs> in the kitchen? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. The Grom Bombs, they would call them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my God, that is that is so gross. Yeah. So, you but, know. 
Restaurant. My very first, my very first job in the food industry was uh, in a hotel kitchen. It yeah. was a great place to learn, really. Mm. But uh, uh, one of my biggest regrets in life is I had two. I had two grandfathers. My first grandfather on my mother's side died, and then my grandmother remarried. And both of these men were chefs. They were both high hat high hat chefs. And own restaurants in in, in Montana, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, so I was brought up in that industry on my mother's side, probably. And um, uh, so I get my first job in the Palace Hotel kitchen, and um, and so you know, like here comes the new kid. What are we going to have him do? So they had me run the steam gun at the at the banquet. They had a conveyor belt where the banquet plates come through, and I would. I'd hit him with a steam gun right off the bat to get the food off him. Okay. And then oh, yeah, after yeah, yeah. that, and then I would, then my job was to take care of the frozen desserts. So I'd be in this incredible steam hot area. And then I would go stand in the freezer where I would freeze. And then I'd come back and I would cook. And then I would freeze and cook and freeze. And that's, you know, what I did for a long time. Cooking it's actually really good for you if you think about it. I didn't think you know, about it. I just didn't like it. I didn't like any of it. Why is it good for me? <laughs> right. Well, I'm sure. But I mean, it's, if you think about it, it's like going into the sauna, right? You sit in the sauna and you get hot. Yeah. And then, and then you jump into the cold dip. I used to do that all the time when I was younger. Well, maybe that's why I'm so healthy. So. Right. Um, that anyway, and I did that now. That was sarcasm, just in case you missed it. <laughs> 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 okay. Um, uh, well, I don't really pick up on that too much. No, I know you don't. I always think the best of what you're saying. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the same with the shower. You know, you get in the shower and it's just hot and it feels so good. And then when you're all nice and toasty and hot, you just turn that hot water off and you blast it cold. Yeah. Yep. I bet people do that. Oh yeah, I do that. Mm-hmm. I think I think I think at, at this point in my life, I think I would prefer not to do that, just because I don't want my heart to get confused about what I'm trying to do to it. No, it's actually very good for your heart. I mean, I'm not a doctor. I'm not saying anything, but or maybe I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, um, you know, but the, well, you know, I'm it's, about it's, it's, well, mm-hmm. wouldn't it wouldn't it wouldn't it change the um, B, the BPM the beats per minute frequency kind of run it up the scale or down the scale mm-hmm. trying to figure I mean, out how you, to manage the blood flow? Yeah, you gotta look it up. Just look it up. It's super right. good for us. Yeah. All right. Okay. But um, and I enjoy it. I mean, for a while there, I totally normalized a cold shower. You just get so you in didn't even, cold. So you didn't you didn't even get in hot. You got in Mm-mm. cold to start with. Just cold to start with. You know, I had a guy in the dog that was doing that. Um, he was con- he wanted to condition himself to uh, handle adverse conditions. Yeah. And so we're down in the end of EDOC, which is a long way out, long way out. And it's wintertime. And this guy would get out of his, he's my neighbor. He'd get out of his boat and he'd be in his underwear or, you know, a brief, very brief swimsuit. Mm-hmm. And a towel, and he would walk down the dock in the wintertime, 
take a cold shower, come back, all in the cold, cold, cold. And he <laughs> said he was getting ready to um, go to Alaska, mm-hmm. which he ended up living in Juneau. He's still in Juneau on his boat. Mm. But that was his deal. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, you know, ice baths and all kinds of healing modalities, you know. But uh, <clears throat> I was doing the cold shower. I totally normalized it to the point where I craved it. I, it just wasn't cold enough now. What What happens to you when you, I mean, what do you do? How do you crave cold water? Tell me. I, it just, well, you know, in the beginning, it's it's really cold. And, you know, it's just like, oh, my gosh. And you dread it every day. You're just like, I got to get in that cold water. But then after a while, I don't know what happens. Your body changes. And then, I don't know, I just got in there and it was so refreshing. And every time I got in to help me, you know, to to bear it, right? In the beginning, I just changed my, you know, my thought about it. It wasn't a cold shower. I was literally getting under a waterfall. I see. And it was so refreshing. So it's mind over matter in this case, I see. Always, always, yeah. And then, um, and then I was hmm. telling my son, and my my son seems to think that it's better to start hot and then go cold, because now you know your body is hot, so the shock is more dramatic. With that yes. cold, yes, yeah, shock. <clears throat> yeah, the operative right. word shock, right? Yeah. Okay. And so that's what I do now. You do it every time. Hot and cold. Yep. So you just yep. close it off with cold. Close yep. up your body pores. Yep. Close them up. Yeah. Yep. Open them up. Open them up and close them up. Right. Well, I might try a piece of that. I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh-huh. Maybe tepid water. Maybe I'll just. Yeah. Everything I... is mind over matter. It's always, you know, if you're dreading it, it's like, well, change how you think about it, and then you won't dread it. Well, some of the most most fun I've had in the backyard was, uh, you know, hot tubbing in the snow. That was kind of fun. Lots of mm-hmm. snow and mm-hmm. lots of hot water and, unfortunately, also lots of alcohol. Maybe that yeah. was the problem. Maybe that's what was mm. wrong. Yeah, probably. It was probably the wine or the vodka or whatever it was. Yeah, so bad. But um, what was I going to say right now about healing? Mm. I just lost my train of thought. Easy to do the day before Thanksgiving. Oh, I was thinking, no, I was thinking about um, fasting. You know, when you fast, I mean, people are just like, oh my gosh, how can you do that? I can't do that. And it's like, sure you can. You just have to think about, think about it the right way, you know? And um, if you're not going to be able to eat, you're thinking, I'm going to starve. And now all all you want is sugar and you want all the things that you don't, you know, you shouldn't have, you know, that last in and out run, whatever it is. But if you think of it like you're fasting to kill off all those parasites in your body, that's, you know, taking over and creating havoc with you. It's making your skin itch. It's giving you bumps, giving you headaches, making your hair fall out. It's affecting your eyes. It's affecting your mouth. It's, you know, all these things. And it's like, no, MFR, <laughs> this is, I win. And so it gives you a little bit of, you know, conviction to say, no, you don't. No, you don't. So, and, 
how long yeah. do you fast? And you fast intermittently or like two or three days at a time? Or Yeah, well, I've gone as long as five days. And do you feel increasingly better? Um, well, there's a lot of biological things that happen. And just having that peace of mind, what is going on biologically, it, it um, gives me more conviction. You know, like your cells are getting cleansed of all the toxins that we're carrying. And those toxins, a lot of them are emotional toxins so if i combine that with sun gazing you know yeah the benefits are pretty great you're drinking water through this process oh yeah absolutely and you're fasting how much how much water are you taking in i don't know i don't, I don't keep track i don't just know an, yeah. just enough enough anyway no i mean Obviously. yeah enough i'm drinking water and i'm drinking um you know tea i can have my mushroom coffee so you're not so you're fasting solid foods. You're not fasting liquids. You're taking liquids. Well, there's there's no sugar or anything. It's it's like water. You know what I mean? But, All right. Okay. Yeah. But I have done just water. So mushroom tea, water, whatever. Mushroom coffee. I've, I, <laughs> mushroom coffee. I like that stuff that you and I are sharing in that right. bag. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's good stuff. It is really good I like stuff. Mm-hmm. I like that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So I've I keep hearing three days as a people shaft for I mean fast for three days. Right. Is that a magic number in fasting? Well, I think it's what happens like you know what starts to happen to your body after three days, and you reset your metabolism. You know, and that's when you start to grow new brain cells. You know, and your and your metabolism and your. Um, immune system it, it all gets like reset you can grow new brain cells yeah i thought that was a, i didn't realize that that was the case i thought that you that you couldn't do that i guess it makes sense that you could if you as you expand sure as you get older mm-hmm. your brain gets bigger right and you know all all the things that make us you know appear to be old it's, yeah. it's all the overrunning of parasites that we're ingesting from our environment and our foods and, you know, processed foods and things that, you know, have no nutritional value, like using the microwave for anything kills off whatever else, you know, we might have had that was good for us. So wrinkles, body wrinkles, face wrinkles are, yeah, are a function of. The parasites uh, that's the aging, parasites? yeah, feeding off of us. That's a very unpleasant visualization. Right. It's disgusting. And mm. when you think about it, it's a parasite, which is a snake. It's the enemy. It's just like a tapeworm parasite? Could be. Depends on what's, what you got inside of you. And these things come to you because you eat... Stuff that's anything because you put stuff in your mouth. Whatever you put in your mouth, you know, it can have a bug with it. Right. It'll decide to decide to inhabit you. Mm-hmm. So you get rid of that by fasting. How else can you get rid of those parasites? Um, you can take like um walnut walnut oil, uh, walnut and worm. I think it is. I have it. And then there's um, there's all kinds of ways to to detox. There's different types of of um, tinctures you can take. And 
for like not worms but for heavy metals i think i told you about cilantro water yes yes uh-huh. you did yeah very important to do that especially if you got uh you know like um silver fillings i have a few of those yeah all that's metal do you ever fall off the wagon Mm-mm. well i mean like what wagon I don't. I don't think I have one. You don't need to fall off the wagon. In other words, your your the way that you live your life, the way you put food in your mouth and all that is all right. that's just what you do. All right. I love so, the things that I eat. <laughs> so, so you don't crave anything that you can't have. Uh uh-uh. uh At all. Uh uh-uh. And there's so many things that I don't want. You know, I, I just don't want that. Like, I don't you want don't... meat. I don't want alcohol. I don't want, you know, what was that? Um, Korean barbecue. And I don't want fast food. And I don't want, you know, there's just a lot of things I don't want. How do you survive in America? Um, You know what? Yesterday, that's a good question. So yesterday, I'm doing my shopping. And it's so pathetic out there. And I think that the closer we get to this shift the more I think we're all realizing just how terrible, what a stranglehold they had on us everywhere we looked. And one of them, the grocery store is horrendous. It's full of poison. And even to walk in there, it's like I'm avoiding so much, just trying to get to what I need. And the rest of it, just look away. Everything in the middle aisles, you can just get rid of. Everything. And then all the bakery section that they're making, oh, no, that's pure poison. You know, all the packaged meats, all the deli meats, all that poison. Anything that's frozen that goes in a microwave, poison. (laughs) Anything in a can, poison. You know, even in the produce section, if it's not organic, it's poison. It's ridiculous. Because it's been treated by Monsanto or something like that for bugs. Right. To kill bugs, yeah. So... So you go to a grocery store and what do you do? Just stand there? <laughs> Where do you shop in that store? I, I literally <laughs> just go to the thing that I need and I'm out. Like if I go to Albertsons, I literally just go to the La Brea bread and get that um, whole grain and I'm out. I mean, and I'm not even sold. That's not good for me, but it, it just tastes really good. And uh, so I get that and I'm out. I don't like Albertsons. Then... Yeah, I don't go to either one of those, I guess. It, yeah, I go, go to a thing called Ballard Market. Right. <clears throat> we, okay, so then we have Gelson's, right? If you go to Gelson's, it's just the price is astronomical. Yeah, we have a couple of those here, too. Um, it's just staggering, the difference between them and Safeway, for example. Um, although, you know, I don't know. It's I, get, I think shopping, shopping is also a watching watching them for their ad structure because they will have lost leaders that are fabulously priced. If you want to eat that stuff, you know, you never know what you're shopping for. Complete but, junk. Um, if it's in a package, it's junk. Well, I don't, I don't know. I'm not a packaged food person. Not at all. I know, but um, even, even like, you know, trying to prepare for this holiday meal, right? The stuffing. I mean, no, I'm not making my stuffing from homemade bread, <laughs> you know? Um, you know, I just get the, the package and yesterday two stores were out of stuffing and I we don't like cornbread stuffing. 
So I had to get the Pepperidge Farm instead of the Mrs. Cubbins's. And I don't know how that's going to turn out. But just buying that package, I know it's crap. And I don't want to eat it. And I know my family doesn't want to eat it either. Well, they just put it in a bowl and just look at it. I, I mean, <laughs> seriously, it just it has taken the fun out of the meal altogether. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, I told Peter yesterday, I said, I, I have actually decided that I could live just going to the farmer's market. I'm going to have my meat delivered. I'll have my coffee delivered and I'm going to the farmer's market. I never need to fit, you know, step foot in a grocery store ever again. You know who eats really well too, if they just understood what they were getting is people who go to the food bank. Mm. Um, because they're not getting packaged food. They're getting real regular food, you know, regular produce, regular, this regular, that. That is just on the edge of stale dating, but not really uh-huh. sometimes. Right. Sometimes it's just oversupply, mm-hmm. but it's good. It's good stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm, I have spent a lot of time at the food bank um, here in Seattle, one of the major, one of the, one of the main outlets for the food bank people. And I'm there with them several times a week mm-hmm. and um, good food, mm-hmm. you know, and I'll, t- I'll grab some, take it home. Because it's just, you know, it's going to go to waste. Sure. I mean, it's the second time it's going to go to waste. So I'll grab a bunch of bags of it for these because they'll, they'll let me take it, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, wow, it's pretty good. I yeah. mean, it's, I'm surprised. The, the, the problem with that, the problem with that is that the people, the psychotics that are coming off the street don't want that. They want the junk. Well, they don't want the good food. Yeah, you know? well, you know, nothing we can do about that. You know, know. I, you know, there's I, just feel, I just feel bad for them, you know? Yeah, um, I know. And, and that's part of the ascension. So you have to think, you know, if you're at your lowest low and you're, you're just not conscious of things that are good for your body, what you're doing to your body, you know, what you're doing to your mind to, to age it, uh, all of these things require elevation and that's what consciousness is it's becoming more aware yeah okay i mean i these i guess these guys are extreme cases then because that an awareness level would be really tough with the psychotic behavior the people are screaming in the street corners you know well because they their needs aren't being met they need their needs met first yeah you know, they, the, they uh, eat. one of the new techniques that's on the street right now is to introduce yourself to people that are homeless or people that are psychotic or crazy. Uh, calms them down. Just say, how do you do? My name is John. Mm-hmm. Get, walk up to them. If you're, it, it, you know, if you see someone on the street that you suspect could be dangerous because you have no background on what their problem is. Uh, and of course, you read the news reports about the guy that picks up the woman at the bus stop and slams her body slams her on the concrete. Those are extreme cases, but just introduce yourself to someone that you see that's in trouble by your, just with your name. How do you do? My name is John. Mm-hmm. How are you? Mm-hmm. And it seems to do wonders. Yeah. They have to be seen. Yeah. Yeah. They're just, um, it takes away the humanity when they don't have a name anymore. They're just called the homeless. Uh-huh. Yeah. So when you identify them, it's like, I see you and I want to know what your name is. And it's, 
It's rejuvenating. It gives you value, still, instant value. I still get angry with what I'm thinking, those free riders, people that are really and truly um, just taking advantage of the situation. I mean, I, it could be said that I'm doing the same thing by walking into the food bank because I because I, I know the people and picking off some food. Yeah. You know, because I don't need to do that. Yeah. But on the other hand, what they're telling me is just, you know, to justify what I'm doing is that they're going to throw it out. Right. So, okay, if you're going to throw it out, I'm, uh, you know, I'm in. I'm done with that. Where is it? I'll take right. that lettuce. I'll take those carrots. I'll take sure. Sure. Yeah. And again, you know, it. it's like if you look at it like you're taking food out of somebody else's mouth, you're not going to feel good about what you're doing. <laughs> no. no. You know? But if you're you're thinking these people are trying to do good by others and nobody shows up for the charity, well then you're making them feel better. Thank you. <laughs> We're trying to do good here and nobody is accepting our gift. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's always perspective. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. However, you know, there's you can't just change your perspective to get away with sin. You know, sin is an interesting thing. It's a construct of, of um, you know, the venial sins, the mortal sins, the sins that can't be recovered, the whatever it is. All these invented sins, purgatory, that that place between heaven and hell. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, you know, what is the function of heaven? What is the function of hell? Mm-hmm. Um, and some interesting stuff about why, you know, heaven is a place prepared for God, by God, and not necessarily for you. Uh, everybody is twerking. And there's a lot of twerking going on to try and figure out how ordinary folks can get into that higher order. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the um, scriptures don't, they're not particularly clear sometimes. Um I mean, I'm just drifting along with this conversation, but I'm just—it's triggering me to say some of this stuff well, as a pedestrian. Remember when I was saying how um, I think it was yesterday we were talking about if you make the most high your dwelling, and it says if, and we we keep skipping over that if, <laughs> and we just expect <laughs> grace. So you don't, so you got, so it's not, you don't get a free pass is what you're saying. There's no free pass. There's no free pass. You you have to follow the order. And, you know, too, too often we just make allowances. We just don't understand what we're doing. You know, as a matter of fact, I was reading my Bible this morning and um, it says, um, apparently these false teachers were trying to convince believers that being saved by grace gave them license to sin since their sins would no longer be held against them. Yeah, and that's... And again, it it requires further understanding. Like, for example, if we are forgiven of our sins, right, that means that we have to accept that God, if we're going to give responsibilities to something outside of ourselves, God has already forgiven us. Okay. So then who's left? If I'm still carrying this guilt around, who's left? Me. 
I'm the only one who has the authority to forgive myself. So as we, of course. right? Okay. So that's, you know, we, we have to understand self-forgiveness, not forgiveness of others. So I have to forgive myself for doing wrong, for not understanding, for, you know, whatever. And we can't just say, well, I can do whatever, whatever I want. I'm already forgiven. Forgiven, but that's not the same thing as forgiving yourself. Right. Being forgiven is like going to the confessional when well, you're forgiven. Right. So if we think about God has already forgiven us, what does that mean? We have to go back to God. What is God? God is love. Love doesn't judge. Love just is. It's a creator. And so it's not judging. And how we well, think about ourselves is what we're, we're creating like our own karma. So it's, it seems like some of this becomes kind of pointless after a while. What do you mean? Um, well, it, who's forgiving who and when? It seems to me that you just have to forgive yourself for openers. And that kind of takes care of everything else. Not, well, yes and no. I mean, if, if you can't forgive yourself for whatever you did, and you're like, well, I'm just going to do better, right? But then you don't. Yeah. You don't do better. You just keep making allowances for yourself, and you don't follow the order. And then you just keep forgiving yourself. Well, I did that. Oh, well. I'm moving on. This is what, basically what you're saying. It's like as long as you just forgive yourself, everything's okay. It's not. Because we can forgive ourselves, but if we continue to behave in the same way, you're pushing love away. That makes sense. I mean, it sounds to me like you're getting like a like a you know circle of rhetorical pugilism, where it's a constant circle of of uh, sin and forgiveness, sin and forgiveness. Um, okay, so I guess sin... you're working toward. Okay, so we, I guess we have to understand what all these words mean. So sin, okay, it's everything contrary to love. That's it. Everything contrary there, to love. This, I, I, in the churches, though, sin is categorized as mortal, venial, um, whatever. We're um, born into sin, and the reason why we're born into sin is because we were given free will. I actually bumped into free will today in the Bible someplace or something that was referring to the Bible. Yeah. Where free will, the words were actually written down as if they were in the Bible. Is it, they are, there's free will in the Bible. Isn't it? You're talking about that all the time because you're pushing free will. I, yes, I am. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pushing free will. <laughs> <laughs> right. So if we yeah. understand that we're born into sin because of free will, I can either do right or do wrong. Mm -hmm. Okay. And because Satan rules this realm, you're born into it. And and that's how we're raised. But we've been given, you know, the order that you're supposed to love. And anything contrary to love, anything else other than love is a sin. And so if you're going to not hold yourself accountable to love and you're going to make allowances for yourself, you're not at the most high. And therefore, you're not protected. 
is there a sin then in that scenario where you you can't be forgiven? What if you commit murder? Well, you're not supposed to take a life. You're not because obviously, I mean, that is extreme, but we're not yes. we're not to cause pain to another or to ourselves for that matter. We're not to cause pain. That's the order. So if I'm so if I'm a killer and I, and I in fact did do it, okay. So it's not a court problem. I did kill somebody. Okay. For example, I'm not saying I did. I'm just saying for example. Mm-hmm. And so, am I precluded from going to heaven forever? Well, then that brings us back to what is heaven. You know what I mean? None of us can verify what's on the other side. Right. Okay. So but now there's a lot of gate there's a lot of gatekeepers out there that are pitching, you know, sin and religion. True. And, and religion. forgiving you for a price. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, honestly, I couldn't tell you that. I have not witnessed any of that. I can only I can only tell you what I've witnessed here in real time. You know, for me to promise what's I don't know. You know, you're but missing a whole market in your case. What do you mean? I don't know if you could just do some blanket forgiving. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, um, it, it would it wouldn't matter if I did, because if people can't forgive themselves for what they've done, then the rest is pointless. You know, if you can't accept that God has already forgiven you, if you don't understand that concept, well, then your faith isn't there. Doesn't that throw war into kind of a cocktail? What if you're fighting for the state against other people that are fighting for their state? And you're shooting one another in the field. Do those guys get a pass? No. No. So war. So the people who participate in war are cross-pollinated infidels. What's going on here? No, it's it's all from the old world. That the old system of what we were born into, this slavery, which is the money system. Okay, all wars are about money. They're never so about love. The people, so the people are okay. It's the system that's corrupt. That's what I'm hearing you say. This, well, the system of being born into sin is corrupt. Because when we're born into sin, we have free will. And free will says do right or do wrong. And Satan says we are going to fight with guns. We're going to kill each other. We're going to, you know, under this umbrella of morality because you have to fight. No, it's wrong. It's just wrong. You know. So how do you protect your city state or state or well, that, country for that matter? You don't really have if to. Someone, if someone's rolling over your borders, okay. what do you do? Okay, that's a good question. So how do you protect your state? It isn't a state of California. It's a state of mind. And the border that you're talking about are the boundaries, my own. It's not these, you know, imaginary boundaries of what separates each state. It's not about that. And that's why collectively, when we elevate the consciousness of humanity, we are going to realize there are no dividing lines of any kind. 
you know, we're going to understand that it's, it's not about religion. It's not about skin color. It's not about, um, you know, the state line. It's not about income. Uh, no, I, I, uh, yes, I get what you're saying. I believe what you're saying. In other words, I, I agree with that. All right. I believe, I believe in that, you know, without quoting you, I'd be quoting Joseph Stiglitz on what, what he calls, talks about making globalization work. Uh, he doesn't, he, he is a proponent or he was at least uh, when he got the Nobel prize of dropping borders and letting people commingle their assets, letting nations commingle assets and trade for barter. He was the, he's like the king of counter trade. I was called the king of counter trade, but he really is the king of counter trade. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and how to how to trade assets, how to how to bargain with your resources and your natural resources to cooperate internally with various people without boundaries, mm -hmm. because the boundaries become actually whether or not you're protecting your crops. Right. You know, because I'm trading my crops with your crops. And so don't come over and, you know, right. burn down my crops. But that's the only thing about a boundaries about. It's not about about geography. Um, but because that sets mm -hmm. up the problem. Right. And if you're going to come over and burn down my crops, aren't you causing pain? Yes, you are. You, uh, yes. But you're going on the assumption that that's, the, that that's the cure. And I understand that's the cure, assuming that the guy plans to to believe you. What's but the cure? Not, to not cause pain. If you don't cause pain, everything gets cured instantly. Yeah. If we all agreed to not do that anymore, it would. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, it would. Mm -hmm. You'd be out of a job. And know, I'd be boom. happy to do it. <laughs> happy to retire. <laughs> but I mean, since yeah. we know that's not going on, um, I might read this book again. I just picked it up because I'm a Stiglitz fan. Um, okay, but to that, yeah. okay, but in this conversation, when we're talking about, you know, like the homeless guy, and then we're talking about boundaries and wars, right? And everybody has to get on the same page in order for us to be healed and, and understand that pain is not the answer. We're, uh, yeah. when, when we're elevating, you know, we're coming up off of the homeless and we're understanding more. Each time we understand more, we go to the next level. And every time we elevate to a next level, we no longer experience the pain of the homeless. You know, if we put that in money terms, it's it's just like getting a raise. You know, and you don't have to scrub your own toilets anymore. You can get somebody to do it. So who's the person scrubbing your toilets in that in that moment? If you don't, if you've elevated yourself, you don't have to do that anymore. How about the guy scrubbing your toilets? What's he about then? Well, okay, I don't. We're not judging the person who's scrubbing the toilets. I was using it as an analogy to explain how, when you elevate, you're no longer experiencing the pains of the lower levels. That's it. So you know, but isn't that isn't that an automatic class system? Yeah, I mean, but is, consciousness isn't that, isn't, that, isn't that selectiveness? Isn't that selectiveness is, by who? Well, well, aren't you selecting yourself out of? I guess you're selecting yourself out of pain. Um, and who doesn't want to do that? 
Well, I just don't trap me in my own words. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'll I'll keep quiet. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, yeah. All right. That's it. That's why you want to elevate. You want to understand more. And so when we get to the game, most people cannot fathom what's in there. Well, it's understandable, but that's, I mean, that should be with a whole bunch of things. That's why you have curiosity, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. You do have curiosity. But they're all like rabbit holes, you know, and you, you're curious and you learn more and you find out more, but it's not the key. It's just learning more. It's just adding to your library. You know, you dabbled in this, you dabbled in that. And, um, you know, you have enough knowledge to converse with a lot of people, but it doesn't solve the problem. And that's where the game differs. You, you are a proponent of having faith to do something. Have the faith to take your time. Have the faith to whatever. In that context, when you're saying have the faith, that's would you like having the confidence in yourself to be able to do that? Is no, that it's actually letting go. It's actually letting go and having the confidence that you don't need to control it all. So that's the faith part. Is that you let letting go is is having the faith? Well, yes and no. So each component, each piece, is a multifaceted, and you have to get to know the facets of the piece. So faith means that obviously, if you can't control something, you got to let go of it and put all your faith in God and just let go. That's true. So that's the let go, let God business that we hear all the yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, but. Right. Faith is also having the courage to keep your mouth shut and watch what happens. So when you're at the table with your player and they say something that's triggering, the first thing you want to do is defend yourself. Correct the record. Remind them of all the things that you've done. Whatever it is, the first thing you want to do is break a rule. But faith says sit down and be quiet. It's okay that they took a jab at you like that. Just listen. And what will happen is they will get impatient with your patience because they, they're they expecting you to return the same type of move. And when you don't and you don't respond in a timely manner that they want you to, they will talk again. And when they talk again, they're going to reveal more information to you. And with discernment, you're going to understand, okay, I, I know who you are because all you're doing is breaking rules. There's no there's no pieces on your board. Once you recognize that there's no pieces over there, it's not going to get any better. And it's it's foolish to waste your time trying to argue with somebody who who hasn't learned anything about character, about love, respect, honor, nothing. Boundaries. So that's the game over thing, isn't it? That's when yep. you just, if you can't yes. get there from here, you just don't bother. That's right. But faith we, led the way. 
Is there any is there any kind of bridge building that goes on then? There doesn't seem to be any bridge building. No, every it's every man for himself. It's not my job to raise you. And that's where we get confused. We feel that it is. I was listening to a couple of guys that are um that are the conservative um YouTube guys um talking about how it's a waste of time to send your kids to public school. Mm-hmm. It's just a total waste of time. That you better yep. that you just should homeschool all your kids. Yep. Um I think that's a hopeless oversimplification myself. Um I doesn't give any teacher any credit for, you know, they're blaming the government for just carte blanche. The education system is corrupt and it's the government's fault, quote unquote. Therefore you homeschool. Don't they have an obligation to try and change the government? Don't they have an obligation to join the parent teachers conference? Don't they have an obligation to try mm-hmm. and for the, do something for the greater good? Mm, they are doing that. There, there are people in place right now, as we speak, that's going to overturn the whole thing. You know, um, but as far as my responsibility to go to the teacher conferences or the parent teacher, whatever it is, no. It's like going to city council. You're not doing any good. Once people are in power, they're in power. And they don't listen because they got the power. It's all about ego. It's all about the serpent. So... That, you know, they're not raising individuals who are thinking individuals who with aspirations and believing they can achieve it. They are educating workers to to support the system for the money makers. The teachers are. You're, you're accusing the teachers of doing this? I'm not accusing the teachers, but, you know, shit rolls downhill. So... Any teacher that's out there trying to do the best they can for their students because they love the kids and they love the curriculum, whatever it is, their hands are tied. There's certain things they have to teach those kids and they have to keep them in order and they have to keep them quiet and they got to ring the bell and they got to tell them when to sit down, when to have lunch, when, you know, how far to sit apart. There's things they have to do and, and all of that stuff is taking away the child's value. It's not improving it. Well, I, there certainly is something to that. I get that. But I don't think that we're qualified to to uh, indict an entire swath like teachers to uh, relegate them to the trash heap. Because well, yeah, of, but... Okay. That's fair sure? enough. That's fair sure? enough. However... If you look at the product of what's coming out of our schools, you might change your mind. Well, I get that. I mean, I was in that product for nine years, I, so I, you know, I've been there. Um, not in the not in the K twelve. I never did teach in K twelve. I taught in the university level, which is a little different thing because, but by, by that time, you're teaching differently. Um, but right. I I felt that um i i kind of i i kind of like the open classroom montessori method 
in K-12. I like, you know, I like to watch people who use the dive tables for the mathematical problems and stuff like that. I think that's okay. And that's good, in fact, because it keeps their interest. The whole idea is keeping their interest. Um, I've had, I think in my entire student career, I probably have one teacher that I can call out by name that's, that I thought did me some good that I've carried with me my whole life. I've had some good relationships with people that were teachers. I think well, that's, only... that's the key. They're, you have good relationships with people. They just happen to wear a hat called teacher. So are you, are you telling me to throw, just throw the government out completely? It's corrupt. This definitely has an agenda on what to do to our future generations. And it's proof positive as to what's out there. When these kids don't know how to tell time, you know, looking at your watch, unless it's digital, they can't name three countries. You know, if they can name the Kardashians <laughs> before they, they understand who the president is or, you know, what the Constitution is or anything at all, they're not being taught. But, well, they're not because the teachers are becoming babysitters instead of teachers. Because, and I now that's where I agree with you that the, that the, that the, that the overriding agenda, the rubric for teaching is corrupted by the government itself. I think they should turn them loose just like you do in the dog show. Turn those kids loose and watch and see what they do. Mm-hmm. And then feed them accordingly. Do not put them into a rubric of what they have to have. Right. I agree right. with that. I think I think that's a terrible mistake. And we've been the government has done that to us, so I get all that. But the teach the teachers that I know, the teachers that I know are not bad people. They're constrained by the draft of the government. All right? That's what I think. No, so, I think that these teachers are innocent victims who, you know, for whatever reason, their heart called to teaching and they went in with good intentions and got indoctrinated and controlled by the system. Well, I think they're just trying to keep their jobs. Well, isn't that the same? Isn't that everybody? Yes, but that doesn't make them evil or bad. That makes them, I mean, you know, you could do that. You could take that whole scenario to Microsoft or to to anybody else, for that matter. General Motors. Control is control. Mm Mm-hmm. No matter where you find it, right? And I think you. And if you don't, if you remove the control, you end up with anarchy. Right, but the control is out of control, and it's not controlled for the greater good. There's so how no do you dial teaching. that back? So can't you just dial that back then? No, it needs to be revamped. It's just well, it's just like our hospitals, our pharmaceutical, it's our education system. It's a wreck. You know, our kids are being fed junk all day long through their mind, through, um, you know, the curriculum, through the, the control of the teachers or the proxies or, you know, after school programs and they're fed junk food and then they're, they are hyped up on sugar and then they're given drugs to calm down and they're not able to go out in nature, spend time with God, finding out who they are, what their heart is really calling them to do. It's a crime. Well, you're speaking to someone who's gotten thrown out of three major universities based on attitude. Right. So 
somewhere in between all this has got to be an answer. Yeah, um, it's got to be bulldozed. <laughs> here we go. I'm sorry, I'm talking to Mrs. Scorched Earth here. <laughs> <laughs> the old system has got to go. <laughs> and that's why we're going to experience a new Earth. Yeah. Okay. Really, a whole new way of learning. And this is what Dream Changers is doing. This is what we're all about. I say we because, you know, I'm obviously a superhero in there. But the whole idea is revamping our education system so our, our children are fully immersed in in curriculum that will hold their attention, expand their mind, and give them personal value instead of just controlling them. No, you guys are accredited, aren't you? Um, I, I don't know you if are. yet. I don't know yet. That okay. is definitely the goal. Yeah. That's the goal, obviously. Yeah, okay. that is the so goal. So the agency, that's, but what you're telling me is that if, from your position, the the accrediting agency is corrupt that will be accrediting you. Do you? How do you accept or not accept your accreditation? Well, you know what? I don't know at this moment. That's a good question because we are literally teetering on both sides. You know, and who knows what that timeline is. So you kind of have to work within the system at this moment until it's blown up. And then, and then it's, you know. <laughs> A counterinsurgent mole. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and then it's, you know, free sailing. And then, and then, we, then we can just keep moving. And it's... <laughs> It's kind of like the med beds, you know, oh, bring the, bring on the med beds. Well, when are we going to do that? Well, until then, we have to walk this line until the rest of it is, you know, obsolete. Yeah, I, I, well, I guess I guess all that stuff you can watch through history, and it's, the story never seems to change. But I think what you're saying, what a lot of people are saying right now, is that we are up for an abrupt change as opposed to an evolutionary change. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's the big difference. It's about to become abrupt. Right. Uh, and there are people that are getting ready for that in the oddest ways. Uh, preppers being one of them just because they are prepping. And I understand that because I've mm-hmm. always been a prepper my whole life, but not mm-hmm. because the world is coming to an end. Right. But I th- I think that, that that's sort of taken over now. Well, I want to say this to that because I know that it's a really scary thing. To, to think about having to prepare for your family, for what's to come. You know, whatever the rumor is, however it's going to turn over, change, etc. We have to use our critical thinking skills. We have to. In order to keep our sanity, we cannot believe that humanity is going to be put under um, a unified pressure that would literally extinct the majority of the population because there's no way in hell the people who live in apartments can prep the way they're telling you to prep you you don't have a place to grow a garden on your balcony you know to feed your family there's no way there's nowhere to you know to put your water if you're going to collect water can't do that you know for the last three years, they've been talking about prepping and, and um, you know, grow your own food and have your own farm. 
we, it's just not logical. You know, it's, it's not rational. There's way too many people living in high rises that can't do that. And we're, yeah, well, we're just going to kill them off. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I know I, I get that. I mean, functionally though, uh, you, you can, you can, if you, if you can, uh, I mean, right now I'm living in an apartment. Or a, it's a house, but it's it's nice. Essentially, an apartment. Uh, I don't have room to have a garden or anything and stuff. But I have. But I've got, I've got months and months and months of food supplies that are dehydrated. They're they're freeze dried, dehydrated. Mm -hmm. um, and I've got I you know I've got gallons and bazillions of gallons of water that I rotate. Now it's not the purest water that you might expect it to be in your case but it's still water mm -hmm. um and so anyway i but the, but i think i'm just saying that there's a case that you can if you live in you know in, in a studio apartment in a tall building you can still figure out how to protect yourself however i don't think that's the question on the table here i think the question is 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 the from my perspective is and i don't believe there can be a carte blanche elimination of people that makes any sense to me. Um, I think that there has to be some kind of, I'd, I mean, unless an asteroid hits the earth or, or, you know, a deity shows up and says, well, we've been looking, you're a grand experiment gone bad or whatever. No one seems to be able to deny that either. I mean, what's going to happen? How do we, how do we reset to where everything where governments collapse and, companies go away and we survive how's, how's that going to work well it can only work in a way that, that is completely unimaginable completely because so that does can't... mean that yeah okay go on mm -hmm. no I was going to say because we can't keep doing what we've always done and just make incremental changes that's not going to work we need something major we need we need something to crash and burn so that we could build new and that building new is happening right now it's on the other side there are many many people who are preparing for that me being one of them so the um Okay. And you're writing the story. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I don't see your story that way necessarily. I mean, I, I'm seeing your story a little bit different than that. Um, but, um, okay. You got to think about. A, I, I don't even the, have a question here, actually. Well, the density of who we are of who and what we are, the density of our body. You know, if we don't even understand the stress, the constant stress that we're under, you know, I mean, yeah, okay, there's, there's money issues, there's family issues, job issues, whatever. That's fine. But it's just constant stress with the energy, just the energy that's in the air. We're at battle with that all the time. It's a fight for our mind, for our well-being, for our health. Imagine when it's gone, when it's just shut down. 
Okay, so but a stress reliever isn't necessarily a killer of people. It's a it's just a way to let people that exist sort of relax a little bit. Um, if you eliminate the barter system, aka money, okay, because money is really just a barter system. Eliminate money. If you eliminate government control, if you eliminate the things that are creating the pressure, for in other words, things that force you to comply create pressure. The 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 argument in favor of that is that without that, you can't survive because people who go to utopia never do survive. As a species, we never make it as protopia. Yeah, what you're but... saying is you have to, we have to change fundamentally as our entity. Our entity has to change. Completely. Everything. Yeah, everything. So even the idea of the utopia before that failed, that's not it. That's just not it. And as far as the pressures are concerned, like, like say money, the bartering system, we're still going to have all those things, but it's going to be in abundance because that's our birthright. We need to live in abundance. There's none of this, you know, I, I don't have enough to eat, but you guys are over there having steak every night. No, we're all going to have as much as we need to be happy. We're going to have our time. We're going to have our health and we're not going to have to covet our neighbor ever. Why, why isn't that a utopia? That is a utopia. Okay, but you were, but whatever utopia you're describing from the past didn't work. That's correct. Didn't. Well, that's not going to be Moore, the case. Thomas More started it, and there's and they spring up all over the country, and they don't work because politics always gets involved. These communal living centers okay. and all that kind of stuff. So there's your there's the answer right there. They pop up all over the world, and the government takes over. The government is going to be blown up, just well, like the our government, education I mean, this, system I mean, and everything this else. This is self-government. They can't even self-govern themselves. It's not okay. the United States government. It's self-government. You know, the local, the people that live in the, the in the in the utopian society, fight for power. Okay. All right. This is why we need a universal elevation of consciousness, because they're fighting for power, which means the serpent still exists. We can't have that. And I was talking about the stresses being relieved. It wasn't necessarily the money system. I was talking about energetically. If, if we imagine our finger in a socket and we're being you know, shocked constantly, we're living with this pain running through our body and you just get used to it. It's just always there. It's so much there that we've become accustomed. We don't even feel it anymore. But the moment you take your finger out of the socket and it's gone, it's going to be a shock. You're like, wait a minute, what? Instantly you feel better. This takes me all the way back to the beginning when you were taking cold showers. You know? <laughs> That's how we talk. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is the cold shower theory. Yeah. yeah okay. This is how we roll. <laughs> <laughs> We're spinning yeah. over the hour. We're spinning over the hour. All right. All right. That's <laughs> enough for today. <laughs> I love you. I love you. I'll see you. Bye. Bye.